Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. The time has come. It is the final episode of the Star Wars miniseries, episode 3. It's been a few weeks in the making. Last week for episode 103, we had a good friend of the show, Adam, on for Empire Strikes Back. And what a job he did, Manny. He did. Uh, thank you so much, Adam, for coming on and joining us on the podcast. Uh, we loved having you. We look forward to having you again. Uh, thank you for uh, doing a, uh, I guess, a, a socially distanced podcast, because usually he would come over. But uh, much like you, he had to do it uh, via Skype. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, thank, thanks to Adam for uh, doing the socially responsible, socially distanced Skype call and uh, man, what bunch of bunch of tech issues last week? A couple of tech issues this week, uh, flagging things. But the show must go on, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I I do want to apologize uh, to everyone listening that the this episode and last week's episode are going to almost be released uh, on top of one another. As I'm actually still dealing with some technical difficulties with my computer, so uh, the. Uh, they're, they're going to be released very close together, so I apologize for that. I'm sure, I don't think anybody's really going to complain about uh, a lot of content being released on top of one another. It's free shit. You get what you pay for. That's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> Manny, where can the people find us on social media if they want more outstanding content? Oh, they can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on iTunes at, oh, no, wait, that's wrong. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. And if they're on iTunes, I would love it if they would give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it does increase the profile of our lovely little podcast, allows more people to find us. And if you're, uh, if you're feeling up to it, why don't you subscribe to us? Why don't you get ready and listen to uh, all of our podcasts? You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Luminary, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a lot to ask for, but we only ask because we like you so much. That's right. That's, the thing. Yeah. That's right. We just you. We would do it for you. That's maybe a hundred percent. Unless Wait. you actually have a podcast, in which case I can't actually speak to that. Well, actually, if anybody out there listening does have a podcast, why don't you send me a message on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore Movie, and I will. I promise you, I will listen to at least one episode. Wow. Yeah. And Probably more, no, no, no more than that. I, I, I will listen to one for sure to give it a listen, and then if I don't like it, I'll stop listening. Try anything once. I will. I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a couple more podcasts, but unfortunately, I, I'm having a, a difficult time finding, uh, finding other ones I like, and also giving up listening to the ones that I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, so. I'm I'm trying to find fewer podcasts myself. I'm subscribed <laughs> to not even that many, but it already proves to be too many. Yeah, I've I've definitely I've I've let some of my podcasts I like go. I just don't listen to them anymore. So, as of today, May 13th, 2020, uh, I am officially no longer a financial burden on the Canadian government. I am back at work. Uh and that means I won't have time to watch all the movies that I've been watching in the previous weeks. So the, the weeks of me having 
five, six, seven movies that I've watched plus some seasons of television are probably gone, unfortunately. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor baby. Poor baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. But nonetheless, I had some time this week. So I uh, sort of acquainted myself slash reacquainted myself with Black Mirror a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Mirror is easy to watch because it's one of those shows you can just dive into an episode anywhere. Uh, so I, I did uh, watch a couple on the recommendations of my roommate, Jordan. Uh, we watched, um, for anyone who's watched Black Mirror, I've never seen it all the way through, but the episodes were Shut Up and Dance and USS Callister. So Shut Up and Dance is a, is a really interesting episode uh, about a kid who, or he's like a teenager, and he's filmed through his laptop camera masturbating through this like malware program, and this faceless, nameless company uh, starts using the video to blackmail him into doing all sorts of things, and the episode escalates to some pretty fucked up places. Um, so, I mean, with any Black Mirror episode, if you like fucked up sci-fi sort of thriller horror-ish stuff, I can't believe I haven't watched it myself before because it seems totally up my alley. But this episode in particular was really good. Um, it also has, I don't know the actor's name, but Braun from Game of Thrones is in this episode, and he's really funny. Since it's uh, an anthology series, uh, the cast will change week to week. Uh, the other one is an episode that's been recommended to me by just about anyone who's seen Black Mirror, but I hadn't seen it before, and that's uh, the episode USS Callister. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Plemons is the lead in that episode. And I don't want to say too much about it, but rest assured, it uh, it has some pretty heavy Star Trek star trek influences in it um but it takes place in this uh dystopian version of earth uh it's uh it's pretty horrific the direction that it decides to go i i wasn't able to see where it was going before it went there but i was i was really happy with the episode of uh, the episode as a whole and it lived up to the hype uh manny you said you haven't watched too much too much black mirror yourself i've watched one episode yeah the only the only episode i know the name of at the top of my head that i have seen other than these is san junipero which is again usually referenced as one of the best episodes of the show uh but it's a little bit less dark it's uh more of a romance uh speaking of sci-fi though i revisited one of the great sci-fi movies of the last decade and that is uh either edge of tomorrow or live die repeat depending on who you want to talk to it was released as edge of tomorrow but on the blu-ray case Live, die, repeat are in big, bold block letters. So I really don't know who to believe on this one. Um, but it's a it's a fantastic Tom Cruise action movie. Tom Cruise, as you know, Manny, is a fan of the Mission Impossible movies. One of the great action stars of our generation. Um, the fact that he does his own stunts just lends so much to the realism of, uh, of a lot of the action scenes. Edge of Tomorrow should have been really bad. It's a movie about uh, a a deserter a soldier who or an officer who does not want to be fighting in a war uh against aliens and he winds up living the same battle again and again and again much 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 like groundhog day and uh he has to find a way to defeat these aliens and he also has a little uh b-plot romance with the beautiful emily blunt and the insanely talented emily blunt uh it's easily one of the best sci-fi movies in recent memory anyway uh many you you feel the same way, don't you? Oh, this movie is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. While I don't enjoy the ending quite as much, like not the ending ending, but like the the, anal- the ending set piece, I guess would be the best yeah. way to describe it. I'm not a huge fan of that, but everything leading up to it is phenomenal. And I agree, this is one of the best science fiction movies of the last decade, uh, right up there like with Looper. It'd be interesting. Actually, that might be an interesting 
list to make is the top sci-fi, top sci-fi of, the, movies? of the last uh, – if we do top sci-fi movies, I <laughs> don't think this is going to make my list. Sci-fi if, of the uh, of the 20 teens, though? Yeah, this would I, – I would be hard-pressed for this not to be in the top five, I think. Yeah, this would – this would be a contender at the very least. There, there were some damn good uh, sci-fi movies last decade, Ooh, like Ex Machina more. and Annihilation. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, oh shit, Annihilation <laughs> and Arrival and fuck. Blade, good time to be a sci-fi fan. Blade, right Runner, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I take back my statement of this being top five. Sorry. Yeah. It's it's kind of like when you uh, talk about a movie that you really like and you say, oh, this is top 10 all time for sure. And then you sit down and make your top 10 and there's like 40 movies in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, The Princess Bride this week. I have never seen this movie before. It has been hyped up pretty extremely. Uh, and I I didn't think I knew a whole lot about it. But as I was watching it, I was like, man, there's so many lines in this movie and so many moments that have just been referenced to me mm-hmm. uh, endless times. And I felt like I had kind of already seen it. It's sort of like what you say about uh, Dumb and Dumber, how your enjoyment of it was sort of diminished on first watch because you felt like you had already experienced all the comedy in it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like that about Princess Bride. I can bit. see that. Yeah, it's a perfectly enjoyable movie. I had very few problems with it. It does come off a little bit low budget. I was surprised to see just how high budget it was. Um, I mean, the costuming and set design is all great, but other than the, the camera work is pretty unordinary. Um, I There weren't a ton of stars in it. I can't imagine Andre the Giant cast or cost that much to be cast in the movie. Um then again, I wasn't really alive when Andre the Giant was a star. So at the I, I time, that, at the time of that movie's release, the biggest star would have been Billy Crystal. Yeah, who, by the way, I recognized his voice. So for those who haven't seen The Princess Bride, Billy Crystal is insanely made up in this movie. He's in very heavy makeup as an old sort of like witch doctor, and. <laughs> Jordan turned to me, uh, she had seen the movie before, and she said, it's kind of funny that even though he's so made up right now, you can tell who it is. And I said, I can't tell who it is. Like, it just sounds like Billy Crystal, but it's not him. And she said, yes, it's Billy Crystal. (laughs) I I legitimately, even though my ears told me it was Billy Crystal, I did not believe them because the makeup is that good in that scene. And his scene, in my opinion, is the best in the movie. He's hilarious. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the other comedic moments uh, maybe kind of fell flat because I had uh, heard them all before. Of course. My name is Nigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, All that stuff. The... uh, the poisoning of the goblet scene. I, I had seen it all before. Love that scene. Um, I will say inconceivable. that uh, Wallace, the, the actor Wallace Shawn, uh, the guy who says inconceivable all the time, uh, he has a uh, a couple cameos in my favorite TV show, BoJack Horseman, uh, as himself. So uh, he's he's really funny. Um, uh, yeah, it was overall pretty enjoyable movie, but I, I felt like it was diminished a little bit, maybe just because I I wasn't aware of. Uh, how many comedic moments I was already aware of in this movie. Yeah, that's understandable for sure. Uh, Last one, I forced Jordan. I shouldn't say I forced her because she was a willing participant for sure. But uh, I had been talking this movie up for a long time. Uh, It was one of the ones in our watch pile. We finally crossed Prisoners off the list. This is one that Manny and I have talked about. This was actually Rachel's first guest appearance on the show. Shout out to Rachel. Um, it's directed by our guy, Denis Villeneuve, one of the best filmmakers in the industry who just happens to be a Canadian. Uh, it has 
our main man in the uh, in the DP chair, uh, Roger Deakins, who got the nomination, has Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, two of our favorites. Like the list goes on and on of, of just on paper the things that are great about this movie. And then when you get into it, it is incredibly dark. I forget that every time that I watch it. Uh, there's very little humor at all in this movie. Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman yells a lot. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Hugh Jackman and um, uh, what's what's War Machine's name? Original War Machine, not Don Cheadle. Um, Fuck you. Terrence yeah. something? Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, thank you. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard are uh, our neighbors, and uh, their daughters get uh, abducted together. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the police detective who is put onto the case. Uh, I adore this movie. Manny and I have gushed over this movie and every other Villeneuve movie a thousand times. Uh, it's it's a, it's not a invite the guys over, have a beer, <laughs> fun movie sort of night. It is incredibly depressing. You will leave this movie just completely unsettled with a with a with a rumbling dark feeling in your stomach. It is a slow burn of a movie, uh, very realistic, very gritty, uh, and with excellent performances and riveting uh <clears throat> riveting plot twists and turns from front to back it gets it's a two and a half hour long movie but it gets going right away i always forget how good the pacing is in this movie but it from front to back it's non-stop uh Matney, anything you want to add about prisoners this movie's fucking brilliant and if you haven't seen it turn this podcast off and go watch it yeah 2013 it's been out for just seven years uh <laughs> actually I, I know i just said that this isn't the sort of movie you just have fun and watch with some friends uh, when I was, I was in high school when this movie came out, I was grade 11 and I was dating my first girlfriend at the time and, uh, her and I, one of our first dates was to go see this movie. Uh, and she was not a huge movie fan in general, but the fact that, uh, that prisoners was the one that we went to, uh, I'm, I'm surprised she agreed to a second date with me because that, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a date movie. It is so ridiculously dark. Yeah. Not a date movie. I agree. Uh, Manny, you've been busy as well. I have. I uh, wa- I rewatched uh, two movies uh, from last year that uh, I loved, uh, both Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is still brilliant, and the end scene still made me fucking chuckle hard, really hard, despite the uh, violence in it. it. The violence is actually what makes me laugh. I'm a dark and twisted fucker. I was just going to say, it's not despite the violence, it's because of the violence. Yes. The violence somehow, hats off to Tarantino, is hilarious. Yeah, uh, I, I loved it. It uh, yeah, it was a, an absolute joy to watch. And then I rewatched Booksmart, which I, if I remember correctly, was my number three film of last year. And it's still funny. This is, I off the top of my head, I think this is at least the fourth or fifth time I've watched this movie. And I still... Am fucking giggling. Yeah, a favorite of both of ours from last year. Yeah. You recommended it to me, and I bought it blind because you spoke so highly of it. And yeah, completely worth it. It's brilliant. Oh, it's so good. And I, you know what? I just, re- I just recently learned, and I had no idea. But the co-lead, Beanie Feldstein, that's Jonah Hill's sister. I thought we talked about that on Air once. Really? I can't. Re- I, or, if we did, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I had definitely heard that before for sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then I watched this really un underseen, unappreciated Western gem called 310 to Yuma. It's with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. 
Again, I definitely recommend it if anybody's in the mood for a good Western. There is, uh, I, mm, I guess, well, I'm not really spoiling anything. I, I do have a problem with the way the movie ends, and I'll just leave it at that. If anybody's seen 310 to Yuma and wants to make and wants to discuss why I didn't like the the end, I'm open for it. But everything leading up to the end is great. Like, you really can't go wrong. You have Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in the same movie together. It's pretty much delicious. Uh, then I wa- um, oh, real, yeah. real quick before you uh, move any further, mm-hmm. I just wanted to interject that Booksmart was actually your second favorite movie of 2019. It was my number two. In front of me here. Oh, it nice. Was your second favorite movie. I had it. I had it in the sixth spot for myself, by the way. And uh, on re- on revisiting, it might move up a spot or two. Mm. It I, it will never be able to move higher than number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given that uh, your your favorite movie last year is among your favorite of all time already. Yeah, my number two. You have the, you still have the list there. What was my number three? Yeah, I have your list. What was my number three? Uh, your number three was nineteen seventeen. Okay. Your, your podium was 1917, Booksmart, and then, of course, Avengers Endgame in the number one spot. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I've am i also really wanted to rewatch 1917. I just purchased it. I might uh, might give it a watch. I have it purchased again. as well. Ooh, I'm gonna maybe flex. that's something I'm gonna, next week. I'm going to flex a little. It's in 4K. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Weird flex, but 4K. Uh, and then I rewatched... Uh, um, one of my all-time favorite movies, and by saying all-time, obviously not my top 20 because it didn't make my top 20, but it was, uh, I don't know if it was in my honorable mentions. I don't think it was. But anyways, it's Mall Rats by Kevin Smith. And as I was watching it, I just just took me back to how much I love that movie, and it reminded me on how much I know of the dialogue as I was watching it alone. So I was reciting it out loud with the characters, and I'm like, I'm such a nerd. A big fan of that movie. I'd be hesitant to recommend it for people, uh, but it's a movie that I love. More of a more of a personal favorite than an objectively, quote-unquote, good movie. Yes, yes. Uh, but I'll just interject again, mm-hmm. by the way, that that was not in your honorable mentions. Yeah, I didn't think so, but it definitely it was it was, it was in the like in the final cut, like it was one of the movies yeah. that was up for uh, for making that list. A lot of good movies on the list, though, so mm-hmm. nothing uh, <clears throat> nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I watched a movie. I think it's 1984, but it doesn't really matter the year. It's early mid to early 80s. A movie I thought I'd seen before but I wasn't sure, so I wanted to watch it, and it's called Witness. And Witness, uh, after watching it uh, and doing a little research on it, I discovered that it had been nominated for Best Picture that year. And uh, I won't lie, it must have been a rough year because uh, Witness, while I'm going to say slightly entertaining, um, if anybody wants to know, I did give it a three as I rate every movie that I watch. I yeah, got not th- just the new ones, eh? Hmm? Not just the new ones, eh? Yeah. I'm, I'm literally rating every movie I see. Oh, God. And uh, Witness got a three, but uh, it uh, it has some seriously horrible plot holes in it. And while it was nominated for Best Picture, it's so far away from when Sam and I are going to be able to watch it for the podcast. I definitely want to discuss a little bit about it right now, so I'm going to spoil some stuff for Witness. 
a little bit. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. So Witness is about a young Amish boy while on a trip with his mother, who is recently widowed, witnesses a murder. And Harrison Ford plays the detective. His name is John Book, is tasked in solving the case. And things go wrong. And Harrison Ford is forced to hide out in the Amish community. And yeah, there's some serious, I, I'm not going to give anything. I, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not going to spoil anything. There's some serious plot hole issues, serious plot hole issues with this movie. But while watching this movie, <laughs> as I was watching it, there was a gentleman that appeared on screen and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know he was in any other movies, but it was Carl from Die Hard. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh, I think his name's Alexander Goodenough. And as the movie goes on, on the screen, all of a sudden, there's this young gentleman, striking young man. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Viggo Mortensen. So yeah, so Carl from Die Hard and Viggo Mortensen are both in this movie and they both play Amish guys. That's a couple of nice surprises. Yeah, it was. Uh the movie I is I feel like whenever I see whenever I see Viggo Mortensen in a movie, like there are there are actors when you see them you say, Hey, it's that actor, and there are actors that you when you see them you say, Hey, it's that character. Viggo Mortensen will always be Aragorn to me. There's like there's no like there's there's no way he's not. Like, if I see Nicolas Cage in a movie, I don't associate with him with any one person. But I definitely associate Viggo Mortensen with Lord of the Rings. Mm, that's funny. I don't. Really? Hmm. Well, maybe because I grew up on Lord of the Rings. Yep. Totally understandable. Um, so, yeah. Witness. Fine. It was fine. It was fine. And then I watched this movie that uh, Sam's been excited for me to see. A movie that we've uh, thrown about, about doing an episode on. And it's uh, this Coen Brothers movie called Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. Easy for you to say. It really wasn't. <laughs> and I have to say, uh, I want to kill myself. This movie is horrible. I'm just kidding. Right. I'm okay. just kidding. Settle down. <laughs> you think you're funny, Manny. Pretty slick. Uh, I did enjoy this movie. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was fantastic. This movie got a three for me as well. Uh, but I had a really good time, and the I think it was maybe the second time Oscar Isaac starts singing. I was like, I think he's really singing, so I had to quickly find out, and he is. He actually is, a, and he's a fantastic singer, a fantastic singer. Rest of the movie aside, the soundtrack to this movie is fantastic. And I'm I'm not a fan of folk music generally, but I adore the soundtrack to Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, this these these songs on here are spectacular. I really I I won't lie, I really did enjoy the running joke with the cat. Yep. <laughs> really made me laugh. Um God damn it. The female lead whose name is escaping me right now. It's not Michelle Williams, is it? No. No, not Michelle. So. No, it's. I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure it's the same girl from Drive, if I'm not mistaken. 
Oh, you're definitely right. Carrie Mulligan. Thank you. Carrie Mulligan, fantastic. It was really hard for me. I, I think this is the first time I'd seen her with br- like a dark brunette hair, and it really threw me off. Um, John Goodman, hilarious, as always, in a Coen Brothers movie. It's uh, it was I really I like I had I had a really good time watching it. It's definitely it just didn't captivate me enough for me to give it like a four or to to rave about it. But watching it as I was watching it and continuing to watching it, I understood completely why you love that movie. Yeah. What did you think about uh, Justin Timberlake and Adam Driver? Uh, Justin Timberlake was great. And I, Adam, I, like, I think Justin Timberlake's literally one of the best parts of that movie. He's hilarious. That song that he plays, um, "Hey Mr. Kennedy," "Hey Mr. Kennedy," uh, is, is hysterical to me. I know who wrote this. It's the cheesiest, worst pop song in the world, but somehow so catchy too. Yeah, who wrote this? I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the best moments of the movie where Oscar Isaac is just like dead silent when he realizes he wrote that turd. Yeah, and then I, I like. Uh, I like uh, him, Adam Driver. I mean, Oscar Isaac is our guy. Um, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen Inside Lewin Davis, I do highly recommend it. I, I, I should be clear. I didn't think that this would be one that you adored as much as I did. I, this is one that's personal to me for sure. Um, especially just uh, being the music nerd that I am. I love movies about the journey of the musician. This is sort of a movie about... Uh, a guy who's just doomed to fall in and out of love with music for the rest of his life and who's doomed to have music kick him around and, uh, and mistreat him. And he's going to go back to it uh, time and time again. So that's, that's why I like this movie. It's also great for a couple of laughs. Um, it's worth checking out if you haven't, uh, it's probably one of the Coen brothers, lesser known movies. Um, but there's a lot in there for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's a hundred percent worth checking out and anyone, if they have Amazon prime, it is available on Amazon prime. And that's everything I've been watching, Sam. You know what? I actually remembered uh, when I said the name Nicolas Cage that uh, Jordan made me watch uh, National Treasure this week, but I don't want to talk about that. So. No? I want to talk about it. <laughs> Did you not like it? It's not that good. What? <laughs> that movie's so fun. It's it's fun. There, It's fun to... Uh, that is a sit down with your friends and... Uh, eat some popcorn which is exactly what i was doing at the time there, there are moments but there are also moments where it's not good interesting also um uh frau von hammersmark from uh from glorious bastards is the female lead in that movie so i, I gave uh i was interested to see that i hadn't seen her in basically anything else i don't think nothing comes to mind anyway i'm gonna have to revisit it i'm gonna have to revisit it yeah right. I, I shouldn't i shouldn't make it sound like i hated it i really didn't it was just it is what it is. It's national treasure. It's cheesy. It's Nicolas Cage. It's kind of ridiculous, but well, whatever. Had a couple of beers. And it was the, fine. the good thing with the with the national treasure movies is at least Nicolas Cage is just he's not being Nicolas Cage in those movies. Yeah, he's not he's not super over the top. Mm, not he's, even close. He's pretty reserved. Yeah, I don't know. But that's I kind of wish he was being Nicolas Cage in those movies. No, I no, love no. the Nicolas Cageiest Nicolas Cage. No, no, no. Nope. No. The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man is prime Nicolas Cage watching if you just want the most batshit insane performance you've ever seen. In just a in just a ridiculously terrible movie. Highly recommend. Wicker Man. No, can't do it. <laughs> <coughs> 
you don't you don't typically enjoy movies ironically do you no not you don't really. uh, you don't really dabble in enjoying movies that are so bad that they're good it's pretty rare it's pretty rare the wicker man with nicholas cage is one of those movies for sure yeah no <laughs> it's pretty rare okay let's move on to the reason that we're here today and that's star wars episode six return of the jedi released may 25th 1983 directed by uh, richard marquand uh, written by lawrence kasdan and george lucas starring mark hamill harrison ford and carrie fisher has a meta score of 58 it got uh, one Oscar, uh, Special Achievement in Visual Effects. It got four other nominations uh, for Best Art Direction Set Decoration, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Original Score. It had a budget of $35 million and grossed 475 The plot? After a daring mission to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt, the Rebels dispatched to Endor to destroy the second Death Star. Meanwhile, Luke struggles to help Darth Vader back from the dark side without falling into the Emperor's trap. Samuel, spoiler-free thoughts, and how was your revisiting of this 1983 action-adventure fantasy? So it's been a little bit since I've uh, seen Return of the Jedi. It's been a little bit since I've watched the original trilogy as a whole, as it turns out. Um, This is always one that I've known was my least favorite of the three, and probably objectively the worst of the original three. Not to say it's a bad movie by any stretch, but it's it's just a little bit weaker than the rest. Um, it's funny, we, you and I kind of had a little moment off air before we started recording where we were just discussing, and we were like, is it just me or is this movie just not as good as I remember? <laughs> it's it, um, When you read off the Metascore, I think you said 58. And I was a little taken aback by that, but in another way, I'm kind of not. That's it, That's about right for me. It's not the most outrageous thing I've ever heard and will probably piss off some diehard Star Wars fans for sure who think that the original trilogy can do no wrong, but... This is a movie with some issues. Uh, for one thing, uh, in in um, The Empire Strikes Back, George Lucas doesn't have a writing credit on the screenplay. He only has a story credit. In this one, he, uh, he has a writing credit on the screenplay, and it shows. The yep. dialogue in this movie is not fantastic. Um, there, in particular, one conversation that's always stood out to me is just awful is when Obi-Wan, I, oh. says, when Obi-Wan says, so what I told you was true. From a certain point of view, I always just roll my eyes at that. Like you couldn't have just said I lied to protect you. You needed to like be cute about it. it just, like the dialogue's not great. It also starts to suffer from prequel syndrome. It has a bunch of people just standing around talking towards the end, especially Luke and the Death Star. Um, speaking of the Death Star, we're really just destroying the Death Star again in this movie. Like that's that that's the climactic scene, and they couldn't think of anything better than that. Just hey, they liked it the first time we did it. Why don't we just build another one? And we'll blow it up again. Well, um, that's what they did. You, the Force... That's what they did in Episode Seven. I was just gonna say, looking at you, the Force Awakens. But uh, the, we've we've had no fewer than three out of the nine main Star Wars movies that focus on blowing up Death Stars. Um, So yeah, I don't want to just shit all over this movie because there's a lot to enjoy. It's the same fun cast, same fun universe. Most of the stuff uh, towards the end of the movie on Endor. I know the Ewoks get a bad rap, but I really enjoy most of the stuff on Endor, genuinely. Um, A lot of the stuff in Jabba's palace is kind of hit and miss. I like Jabba himself. It's good that 
as of recording in the year 2020, Jabba is still under practical effects, although we're probably about one re-release away from him being CGI again because George Lucas can't keep his fucking hands off these movies. No, Lucas um, can't do anything with the movies anymore. He doesn't own them. He can't He can't hurt us anymore. It's okay. That's right. <laughs> McClunky. Uh, yeah, so this is a, this is a movie with... Uh, with some problems, for sure. It's one that I remember fondly from my childhood, for sure. And it wraps up the trilogy nicely. Uh, but there are some issues there. And we're going to talk about those issues. Yeah, like Sam had mentioned just before we started recording, we both kind of revealed to one another that I was, as I was watching this movie, I was really excited to rewatch this because I, I literally can't remember when I'd watched this the last time. It's definitely at minimum 10 to 15 years since I last watched this movie. So I was looking forward to rewatching it and I'm getting about halfway through and I'm like, this movie's not as good as I remember, like not even close. Cause I used to kind of really, I used to really fight hard for return of the Jedi. And now I, 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 I can't, I can't do it. Um, I think, I think it really accentuates how, I don't want. I don't want to use word, the word bad. It really accentuates how this movie doesn't hold up to the Empire after watching them so close to back to back with one another, because the Empire. Yeah, I always, I always knew that I liked Empire better, yeah. but this rewatch really emphasized it for me. Empire is an infinitely superior movie to this one. Yeah, like it's it, honestly, it's it should, it's not even up for debate in my opinion. And the dialogue in this movie is at times cringe-inducing. It's even worse. It's even uh, uh, it's even worse because we know that Lucas didn't have everything fully mapped out, and it shows so much mm-hmm. retconning. The other part that bothers me about Lucas going back and reworking on these kind of things is he can throw in edits and he can throw in all the CGI, but he will never do anything to fix the. Immense lack of respect for Qui Gon Jinn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? There's all these references about how Obi Wan, he's the one that chose Anakin. He's the one that trained Anakin. He's the one that fought for Anakin to become a Jedi. And we're like, mm, that's a hundred percent not true. It was Qui Gon Jinn, but you know, whatever. To each their own. <laughs> I just want to say real quick um, sorry I'll, I'll let you finish your thoughts too but the reveal that Leia is Luke's sister again we're nine movies into this saga now or I guess 11 if you include uh, Rogue One and Solo uh, but we're nine movies into the Skywalker saga now so the idea that Leia and Luke are brother and sister is not not a controversial one now but just watching these movies sequentially the reveal doesn't actually work that well on an actual plot level. I, I know this is sort of a spoiler, but it's Return of the Jedi. You, you fucking know what happens. Uh, but just the reveal is it, it doesn't really work on a plot level for me. It really feels like Lucas just went, OK, the reveal of Vader in episode five was really good and audiences loved it. How do we top that? How about two more people in this universe are related? And it, it just, I know there's that moment in Empire where Yoda says, no, there is another. And people will point to that and say, oh, that's foreshadowing. He had it planned the whole time. He really didn't. Nope. Lucas really didn't know. Lucas really didn't know who the other was going to be. And for me, it just, it just doesn't, 
work on a narrative level, on an emotional level. It doesn't mean anything, really. <laughs> I mean, Luke, I guess, kind of almost turns the dark side at the end to protect Leia, but it, I don't know. that The whole emotion of that revelation in this movie in particular really does not work from my perspective. I could be very wrong about that. No, I'm going to back you up on that. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and the scene between Luke and Leia when Luke tells her is rough. I've known. I've always known. So no, you, you haven't, you so fucking you, liar. <laughs> so you made out with your brother on purpose? Knowingly? Twice? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Fucking no. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get into the movie. So we're going to spoil Return of the Jedi. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. I already kind of said. I want to start with... I kind of want to start with the starting of the movie because it's one of my favorite parts. Not the absolute beginning with, with Vader, but Jabba. Mm-hmm. Now... Growing up, I'm, I can't be sure, but I'm fairly positive that this movie was the first movie I ever saw in a theater without my parents. I know, I know for a fact that I went there with one of my childhood best friends. Shout out to you, Bridge. Bridge Sanderson is his name. Doubt he's listening, but I'm going to give him a shout out. I know him and I went to this movie by ourselves. I would have been eight years old. Time. Yeah, I was just going to say, you would not have been very old at all. Yeah, seven, a seven. Tiny little film nerd. Yeah, eight years old. Eight years old. Tiny, little, tiny little pretentious bastard. Yep. I wasn't pretentious yet. Not yet. No, not yet. A <laughs> little bit longer. By about time, by yep, about time I was about time. 10. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I remember, like, I remember loving the movie, but I'm an eight year old. I'm eight years old, so I, I don't really know what film is yet. It's got lightsabers, so I thought it was cool thought the Ewoks were okay. But all you'd heard about is Jabba the Hutt, Jabba the Hutt, Jabba the Hutt. Now I'm growing up and the Jabba the Hutt scene in episode four wasn't in it. Thank God. Yeah. So this was the first time we got to see Jabba and seeing him exceeded my expectations. I fucking love Jabba the Hutt. I fucking love that character. And I I love I still love seeing him and even more I, I agree exactly what you say. I I love him even more knowing that he's a practical animatronic that took six people to work the whole thing. And he's absolutely unbelievable on screen. He's a joy to watch. He's so fucking disgusting. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Jabba, and his whole I don't know what do we call him his lair his palace his palace his palace his palace yeah. uh, is spectacular. It's obviously a bit of an homage to the cantina scene because it gives them an excuse to have all these different creatures in there. There is an extended scene in this movie with uh, a musical number that is. Uh, atrociously bad horrific yeah horrifically bad uh that I believe, ob- the, I believe the song the song is called jedi rocks i was doing a little bit of research on it just before god what a what an uncomfortable i've never felt uncomfortable watching star wars in just about any moment i i will cringe out of my seat during this scene the bad cgi the overlongness of the song yeah uh, the, 
it just it, not only that but the song just feels not star wars it's it's the song itself is completely from a different universe um i i i had a quote from uh george lucas somewhere about how he wanted to include yeah star wars creator george lucas stated that the scene featuring the band was intended to be an elaborate production but the crew never really had the time to film it lucas commented i thought it would be funny to have a musical number in the middle of a star wars film he thought it would be funny to have a musical number in the middle of a star wars film george i know you created the universe that's fucking disgraceful in my opinion that is, and I, I say that as a guy who doesn't take Star Wars too seriously. I really don't. It's fucking disgraceful. Yeah. But you thought it would be funny to have a big musical elaborate production. I just, I, I don't understand. I do not understand thinking that's funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm over reacting. Yeah, it's, it's sad. My gears. It's sad. It's sad. Um,. Obviously, I oh, obviously I'm uh, a fan uh, of Slave Leia. Uh, might be the first. Uh, uh, first <laughs> inappropriate feelings I've had as a young man. Yeah, it's uh, likely jump started the collective puberty of an entire generation of teenagers. I imagine definitely. But shockingly, being the nerd I am, I've actually never had like a Slave Leia fantasy, much like Ross on Friends. Yeah. I've I've never wanted a, a girl to wear that outfit, but I'm very I'm always happy to see Carrie Fisher in that outfit. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it's nice now that we're in the third Star Wars movie ever made, to not have any uh any troublesome things like. Uh, character development for uh, for Princess Leia. The audience just wanted her in a bikini. <sighs> I really, I really did, and I'm very thankful that I was given that opportunity because she is delicious in it. Thank, thank you, thank you to my queen. She will always be my princess. I love you, Leia. Uh, I'm sure she'll get the message. Yeah, right. The other thing um, that I love. Or one of the things I, I noticed again, and we've talked about it in each episode, is how shitty the droids are treated. And yet again, they're given away as gifts to Jabba, again showing that droids are slaves in this universe. They are fully, yeah, the? they, they are fully sentient beings that have no rights whatsoever. The plan... In Jabba's palace, and again, I love Jabba as a character and the palace as a whole. I love, I love the Rancor and I love all that stuff. The plan at Jabba's palace has always confused me because Luke just gifts him these droids. Jabba keeps them. Uh, Leia and Lando and Chewie try to rescue Han, and then Luke shows up after. So I, I just don't understand what Luke's plan was. Was he legitimately going to let them have the droids? Because if not, why even bother with it? He winds up forcibly entering the palace anyway and also finds a way to endanger Lando and Leia and Chewie in the process. So um, why bother with the whole droid shtick? Why not just why not just show up and I th this is here, some heads as he did? Okay, here, here's my take on it, and I okay. can't believe I'm, de I'm defending this part. Okay. So 
Lando's infiltrated as a guard and uh, the most horrible disguise of all time, but it works. Fine, whatever. I'll let it go, right? Yeah, the, the one black man in the entire galaxy might need to do a better job of hiding his identity. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so Leia shows up in, act- in an actual really convincing disguise because whatever, fine. So with the droids being sent in, well, Lando's already there, so then the droids are, are the, the droids are the second wave. So I think Luke puts them in there. They're kind of the backup and a bit of a distraction. Then Leia shows up. Leia's plan A. If Leia can pull it off, then they can just go in and get the droids after if they pull it off. When Leia fails, because I bet you they have, if I haven't heard from you by this point, I failed, you got to come get me. That's when yeah. Luke comes in. That's the way I see it. So when Luke comes in, he's unaware that the Jedi mind trip mind trick doesn't work on huts. Side note, and I have some more thoughts on this, but isn't the Jedi mind trick kind of a shitty trick to have? You're literally controlling other people's minds. Not the kind of thing that a peaceful, religious... I don't want to say cult, but a, a, a peaceful religious organization has no <laughs> qualms whatsoever using mind control. Yeah, it's it's sort of a, a weird line that they draw where, like, force lightning is bad, but literally controlling people's fucking minds is uh, is good. I know you haven't seen Harry Potter, but there are three unforgivable curses in Harry Potter, and one of them is one that allows you to basically control people and get them to do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, and this this is what that feels like here. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to maybe watching those one day. Maybe. Hint. Hint. I guess I guess we would have to plan that. Yeah. Months in advance, probably. Months in have advance. Have it coming up soon. No, we're still ways off from that. I'm right. thinking um, August, I think. Oh God, is it that far out? Yeah, could be late July, August is my is my guess. Um, I thought you said you lost all the dates. You nailed that. Thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the plan, uh, in my opinion. Not, again, I didn't say it was a good plan. I'm just saying that's what I think. That's why that plan was what it was. I think you're, I think you're right, but I, I was more so just trying to make your point that like, just not informing C-3PO that he's going to be a gift to Jabba is just the the biggest dick move to one of your friends at this point and, and i don't think that's i don't think that's uh uncalled for using that word friend they are friends at this point uh, and he just gives him as if he's property and does not include him in on the plan yes and it's actually here in jabba's uh, in jabba's palace when c3po and rtd2 are are taken away as quote unquote gifts that we find out that not only are droids well we already know that they're sentient they're they have their own mind yes they have programming but they think and they 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 show a fear of being destroyed so they're aware of their own existence but it's here in Jabba's palace that we learn they feel pain oh yeah we see robots being tortured here yes who's literally his feet are being burned and he's screaming so now that we know the droids also feel pain, but we have no problem with everything that goes on with them. We need more good sci-fi movies before we get artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, that leads to, well, Han kind of gets rescued by Leia, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. the part, one of my favorite set pieces in this film is they've all been captured and they take them to the Sarlacc pit. Now, it has been a very long time since I've seen Jedi. I actually can't remember when I watched the last one what version I had watched. So seeing the Venus flytrap middle of the Sarlacc pit was very disturbing for me. Because growing up, for me, the Sarlacc pit Sarlacc pit only had the tentacles coming out of it and it was just a gaping hole in the sand. There was no Venus flytrap mouth thing in the very middle of it. And I hated it. It's funny because I grew up, I grew up with the special editions of these movies and I feel like I remember that's what it looked like. Um, But apparently uh, the Sarlacc designs uh, underwent a series of changes, uh, special edition 1997. So apparently, um, yeah, uh, tentacles and a beak were added in 1997 in the I, special editions. I fucking hate I think, that beak. I hate that beak, man. I hate it. Yeah, I uh, I, I think it's been redone because the be- it, the beak seems larger. I, I don't remember it being so uh, pronounced just when I was a kid. I'm I'm almost certain it's been redone again, even though I don't see the facts in front of me right now. But yeah, I, it it didn't have a beak on its original release. I ca- I can't I cannot stand that beak. And honestly, it's. It, for me, it might be the thing I hate the most about. Ooh, I was gonna say Jedi I might, Rock is not good. In this I was movie. gonna say yeah, the musical number might be number one. So this is <laughs> this is probably number two. Actually, I think the other thing I hate the most is actually in this movie three, number three, uh, which is at the end of the movie. Fuck that. Um, before we get off the Starlock pit, I got one other thing I want to say about it. Yeah. Um, just as I was researching for this episode, maybe this is something you came across too. Um, have you been to Wells Gray Provincial Park in uh, in British Columbia? Yeah, it's uh, just outside of Clearwater, if I recall. Correct. Or, or past Clearwater, I guess. Just past Clearwater. Yeah. 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 Any anyone who uh, is listening to this from Kamloops, I'm sure they've all been to Wells Gray. I certainly have. Apparently, uh, the Wells Gray Park Cave discovery of 2018 in Wells Gray Provincial Park, uh, the cave that has been discovered has been informally named Sarlacc's Pit, pending an official name. Interesting. No, I didn't know that. That's spectacular. Oh, that very, very recent. Two years ago, a cave was discovered at this park, like right out, like a couple hours outside of Kamloops, and uh, yeah, it's being named the Starlax Pit, which I I liked. Fucking love it. I might have to try and find this cave now. Yeah, maybe it has a massive beak on it. I'm not sure. Ugh. <laughs> uh, just before we like this whole action set piece, I really love. Of course, though the. It's it's filled with both action and uh, some comedic elements, but obviously the worst part is how this amazing character of Boba Fett is dispatched in a slapstick way. He's accidentally knocked into the Sarlacc pit mm-hmm. by a blind Han Solo. Yes. Yeah. Disgraceful. But the other part of this sequence that I loved, I both loved it, well, I, 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 I love that Leia is the one that kills Jabba. Like, she strangles... Yeah, she exacts her revenge. Yeah, she exacts her revenge. But to this day, I still do this a lot. When Jabba dies, he goes, ah, 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 <laughs> with his tongue. I fucking still do that all the time. 
And yet nobody ever says, hey, you're doing the Jabba. Well, now I will. Now I'll know. Perfect. In fact, I'm fairly certain I would have known regardless. Yes. Nobody's ever called me out on it. But maybe I, <laughs> maybe I should take that as a compliment that I'm not fat enough to look like Jabba. That's true. I'm going to take it as a compliment from now on. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with Jabba's palace or the Sarlacc pit sequence before we move on? Uh, only other things that I wanted to say about this: uh, the green screen in the in the transports is kind of noticeable in these scenes. I don't know if you found the same. Um, oh, like when they're flying but, over the sand. Yeah, when they're traveling to the Sarlacc pit, the green screen's pretty bad. Yep. Um, but I think the Rancor still looks awesome. Um, and I. I've never really understood the fact that they included like Rancor keepers. Like after <laughs> after the Rancor is dead, they have like a couple of trainers or keepers who like come in and sob over him. Yep. Always struck me as super odd, but okay, the Rancor is super cool in and of himself, and I believe remains unchanged from the originals. It, yeah, he's still the same. Thank God. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Uh, it's after this, after they escape uh, Tatooine and Jabba's palace, that we're introduced to arguably one of my top three favorite characters in the uh, Star Wars mythos with, uh, I would say, Han Solo being number one. Jabba might be number two. And my number three, that fucking Mon Calamari fucking motherfucker, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> That's a trap! <laughs> I, I, I honestly, Sam, I've loved him from the moment I saw him on screen. I don't. I have no reason why. This it, is very strange. It is strange. I'm, There's nothing. I I can't pinpoint it. I, I I maybe it's his voice. Maybe it's his actual commanding presence. There is that scene later on when, over the Battle of Endor when he's in like his command chair that just kind of floats wherever he wants to go all over the screen. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Admiral Akbar, but I fucking love him. It's weird. You, I you love him. Uh, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against Admiral Akbar, and this is spectacular. I'm asking you these questions purely out of curiosity. Yes, he is your he is arguably your third favorite character in the Star Wars canon. In in the original trilogy, yes, that's remarkable. Yeah, Han Solo, head and shoulders number one. Jabba probably. Ooh, okay. Well, I start thinking about it, like. I would say let uh, let's go top five. Han Solo's got number one locked down. The other contenders would be <laughs> would de- it's it's Leia, Jabba, Admiral Akbar. I don't Vader? know. Vader? No, I never liked Vader. Weird. My I always thought Vader was cool. He's a cool villain. He looked cool. But like my entire perception of Vader is now fucked because of the prequels. Yeah, it's true. I can't. I can't let it go. I can't. I can't. I can't. And I won't lie. <laughs> the Emperor got fucked because of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I can't. I can't agree with you more on that one. Actually, the the Rise of Skywalker arguably arguably ruined this entire trilogy or the first six movies as a whole. Do you, you know? About it. Do you know whose stock rised because of one of the solo movies? Is Lando Calrissian? Yeah, with Donald Glover as uh, as Lando. Yeah, love me some Donald Glover. I am somewhat a fan of his music. 
liked his one stand-up special that I saw of his, and of course, he's fantastic in Community. Never saw Atlanta, but I heard that's really good. Oh, too. never mind. Okay, never mind. No, no. Ab- Admiral Akbar is not number three. He could. He might. He might fight for number three. So my top five. I one and two. I'd have a hard time picking between uh, Han and Yoda. Oh yeah, I forgot Yoda, of course. And despite the prequels really fucking with Yoda, he still stands that high. And then Jabba, Leia, and Admiral Akbar are gonna fight out for the other spots. That's how it goes. I I, I find this this is remarkable, and I'm I'm not trying to laugh at it. like it's it's amazing. <laughs> I've just never met anyone who held Admiral Akbar on the same level as Yoda and above Darth Vader. This is incredible i know it's on un- do you want to know who else i love i hold on i do <laughs> i don't even think i'd be able to find uh hold on hold on uh da, 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 da. i i doubt i'm gonna be able to okay i i can't find his name anywhere i'd have mm-hmm. to uh it's uh it's it's Lando's co-pilot on the Millennium Falcon. Oh, like the fish-faced dude? Yeah, whatever he is. I fucking <laughs> love him. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that guy's name is. I don't know. I think it's a small, minor... It's a small, minor alien characters I've always loved. Like, I fucking... I've always loved Greedo. Yeah, always that's loved, true. I've always loved Greedo. So, yeah, that that's that's me. Okay. <laughs> So the introduction spent too of, much time on Admiral Ackbar there. I know because he because he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, like basically, we almost go right from Tatooine to like them talking about everything, and then we go right to Endor. Like I I I remember as I was watching this, like I I didn't realize we got to Endor so quickly in the movie. Yeah, movie's a little bit strangely paced. We spend an awfully long time on Tatooine at Jabba's. Yep. Uh, and then to Dagobah for a scene, uh, Yoda Yoda's dies. death, yep. Yeah. Um, and confirms uh, Luke's parentage. And then and we then... have that weird, awkward conversation with Obi-Wan that I alluded to earlier. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. Yeah. That wasn't shut up. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we're right off to Endor, which is uh, a little bit strange. Yeah. The speeder, uh, the speeder bike, uh, speeder bike chase scene is actually really well done. There are some moments where you, it's, a, you know, the, the special effects don't quite hold up, but despite that, you know, what are 27 years later, it still looks really good. Uh, I, 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 I remember as a kid, this was the highlight of the movie for me. 37 years later. 37, thank you. Yeah. This was the highlight of the, of the movie for me as a kid. Yeah, the speeder chase, um, you can tell at times that there is green screen in there, but uh, I think you have to be looking for it, and it is certainly better than the green screen we saw earlier with uh, with the sand transport on Tatooine. So I have no problem with the uh, with the speeder sequence. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. This is also where we meet Wicket, the Ewok, and it, it's so that funny. Yeah, you didn't know his name. I, I had no idea. Oh yeah, Wicket is the one that that Leia mates meet, meets. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I must have been watching a different one than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny actually. I didn't realize it was kind of in my in my uh, researching of the movie and rewatching it that they, the the word Ewok is never spoken in this movie. 
Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. I never realized that. Yeah. Ewok has never spoken. And neither, obviously, because it's, he he's never revealed to be Wicket, but that is his name, the one that, that... Oh, yeah. I mean, there are tons of characters in the Star Wars universe who I don't think are named on camera, like our like our buddy with the fish face. Yeah. Who's Lando's co-pilot. I can't remember his name. I, I don't care what his name is. He always fucking made me laugh. That that guy, uh, actually, that that character, uh, a quick side down. I don't think I have it. Uh, I don't think I have it written down. But I saw it in my in my research. He speaks in the movie itself. He's speaking some weird language, but it's actually a real language of somewhere in Africa, and he's speaking it properly. So apparently, when the movie played in Africa, all the people there, like in that tiny country, it's spoken of. They just went apeshit crazy and were so happy to hear their own language being used in a film. Nien Numb? Is that it? Yes, that's his name. N-I-E-N-N-U-N-B? Yeah. I just Googled Lando's co-pilot. Yep. Came up immediately. Yeah. He's, he's speaking a real authentic language, huh? Yeah. Uh, the small African dialect. I like that. The other thing I loved about, well, Endor's... A lot of fun, but I always remember just being in love. You're a kid, right? So the Ewoks living in tree forts was always the greatest thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> now we get to another part of uh, the movie and the storytelling that, being a little bit older now, I kind of want to rip apart a little bit, and it's where. Luke and Han and Chewie, who all of a sudden uh, decides he's going to act like a dog and go after some raw meat. He's supposed <laughs> to be a highly intelligent. The, the Chewbacca flies fucking intergalactic space vessels, but he can't know. He is a remarkable pilot and warrior. Yes. The and w- Jabba calls him something like the powerful Chewbacca or something like that. Ah, uh, yes, the mighty Chewbacca. The mighty Chewbacca, yeah, mighty, yeah. mighty dumb. As he goes after this uh, rotting meat on a stick, and entraps them all in this net. And one of my favorite parts, minor minor nitpick: they're trapped in this net. They're having a hard time moving. And Luke asks Han, "Can you reach my lightsaber, dude? You have the Force." why not just force move your lightsaber to your hand i've i didn't even think of that i'm not gonna lie i didn't even think of that i've always just looked at that net and been like you have tons of room to move around like you can easily reach your lightsaber there's no way that you can't reach your lightsaber in the first place but even if you can't force move it into your hand no wonder George Lucas hates the Star Wars fandom. Listen to us. <laughs> so, but uh, that's not the part that bothers me. That just made me laugh. Okay. What right. happens next is R2D2 saves the day as always, cuts them free. They fall to the ground. They're surrounded by Ewoks, who a lot of people. Um, that's what I'm looking for. A lot of people insinuate that they are cannibals. Now, that's not true because they don't eat their own kind. That's what a cannibal is. A human eating a human is a cannibal. Ewoks mm-hmm. eating humans are Ewoks eating something they've captured. Yes. They're not cannibals. <laughs> They're doing what humans do. Yes. Just like a shark is not a cannibal when a shark eats a human. 
not a cannibal. People have called the Ewoks cannibals. Yes, because they try. They, that is because they try and cook Han, right? Which is getting to what I'm is, getting to. That is a mistake. So they're surrounded by Ewoks. They're taken. They're not happy, and then all of a sudden the Ewoks see C-3PO, and label him a deity. To honor their deity, they are going to cook Han Solo, who has a fantastic comedic moment when he's trying to blow out the torches. <laughs> fantastic moment. That he does. But they're all tied up, and Luke says to C-3PO, tell them to let us go or you will use your magic. And in front of all these, this entire race of people, Luke uses the force to trick these beings into believing that a droid is their god. He has completely warped their religious beliefs and almost forces these now lovely little creatures into joining the rebellion. They had no idea about, obviously these Ewoks didn't know anything about this intergalactic struggle between the rebels and the, and, and the Empire. And now he's forced them to join. And as we know, quite a few of them died later on because of his actions. I believe uh, the word you're looking for, by the way, uh, I believe is brainwashing. Yes. Uh, I, I would argue they are brainwashed into joining the rebellion. This is a fucking war crime that Luke has, <laughs> has, has put upon these people. But what I find funny about this is uh, when they're first captured by the Ewoks, C-3PO says... It is against my programming <laughs> to impersonate a deity. He says that. Yep. That is a that is a thing that he says. And then one scene later, Luke says, "Tell them if you do not release us, you will become angry and use your magic." And he does it. Yes. Like, is that not is that not impersonating a deity? I, that seems like I don't know. <laughs> seems like a misstep. The other thing as well is I realized this in that, in that very scene where Luke is uh, floating C-3PO in his chair. They have this shot, and unfortunately it's not a, a, a video podcast we do, but Sam will get the idea. Luke is mm. tied to a pole with his hands like this, just above his head. He's being rotisseried. Yes. No, because he, no, he, he's, he's, he's not laying down. He's like propped up. He's like Oh, this, yeah, true, true, true. Right? I'm like... Just use your force to untie the knot. Yeah, he almost let his friend burn to death. Yeah. <laughs> How about you use instead of instead of using your force to float C three PO? Why don't you why don't you force float away those torches toward your buddy? Maybe he knew that they were gonna need to brainwash some Ewoks, That's... and he knew that it was better to uh, shake their world beliefs and to uh, and to unalterably or. <laughs> yeah, to alter the course of their race forever. Yeah, maybe he thought it was better to do that. Than yeah, to, uh, I'm just going to gonna perpetuate this war crime on these yeah. on on these uh, sentient beings. Who, by the way, I, I always found it <laughs> I found it amusing that these naked creatures wear hats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to be uncovered. Yeah, it's. I guess it's like Donald Duck shirt <laughs> shirt yeah. no pants. Okay. These guys are hats yeah. no pants. Her- I heard Donald Duck is banned in Finland. That's what I've heard. Really? He really doesn't wear pants. Yeah. Interesting. Might be an urban legend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least what I've heard. 
I can't remember if I brought this up with you when we were talking about uh, A New Hope, but are you aware of the uh, subgroup or subcult of people that uh, adhere to the belief that the Empire did nothing wrong and that the rebels are religious zealots and the, like, Luke is basically a, a religious extremist who uh, carries out a terrorist attack on the Death Star? Well, those people that believe that obviously don't watch the movie? Because the Empire blows up an entire fucking planet. That's very true. They blow up Alderaan, <laughs> so everything they say at that point makes no sense. I don't know. I'm sure they have an explanation. I am not one of these people, I'd just like to point out. But I, uh, I'm sure... There's an explanation on, uh, on Endor likely would, uh, would feed into their narrative, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to agree with him on that point, but, uh, blowing up a planet is, uh, yeah, they stuffed out several billion lives in the blink of an eye. I don't think the empire can say uh, their hands are clean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's fair. Which actually gets to another point that I was, might bring up. I was going to probably bring up later on as we get ahead and we're already a little ahead. Uh, Darth Vader's redemption. Uh, is he really worthy of redemption? This man? No. Right? No, he's not. <laughs> Thank you. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. He's, he's not. The redemption arc just does not work. He uh, he threw one guy who threatened to kill one other guy down a well of some kind, down like a, I don't know, everything in the Death Star takes place on a walkway, apparently. So he throws the Emperor down this shaft, whatever. And then he's like, oh, I'm good now. It's like, that's one of my main problems with the Star Wars movies as a whole is just this black and white idea of good and bad. Like, dude, Darth Vader kills millions of people. Billions. I'm sure. Billions. Billions of people. I guess if yeah, if you include the fact that he had a hand in Alderaan being destroyed, children, innocent children, just with a, with a lightsaber. And then he kills one dude who's threatening to kill his son. And he's like, ah, I'm good now. Like, no, you're really, really not. You're still just a remarkably terrible person. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're 100% right. <laughs> that's that's the, my main problem with the Star Wars movies is how black and white the – again, it's a movie about a struggle, good versus evil. I'm here for it. It's all good. Whatever. But when the movie starts to try to operate in these gray areas with converting someone from evil to good, that's when that's when all sense of nuance is just completely lost. Um, it's one of the reasons why I like The Last Jedi is because we started to see um, that there are other people who are force sensitive. We started to see, um, you know, rebels facing difficult moral decisions. It became a lot more gray. Um, but Return of the Jedi is it attempts and fails to redeem Darth Vader. It, it it doesn't work. It does yep. not work. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. The... I don't really have a lot of notes left. I really did enjoy the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth. It's shot beautifully. <clears throat> and there's one... There's one almost kind of like tracking shot as they move along. It follows them. And it's just... It's so it was it was just shot so beautifully and 
uh, Ian McDermott just playing it up as Palpatine, just unleashing, just just swimming in the river of ham. Yeah, eating a ham sandwich. Yeah, for sure. oh, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> Release your anger. Oh, that's a good. That's a good Palpatine, sir. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> yeah, Palp- Palpatine's a, a, a fun character, and it's until until Rise of Skywalker. Until Rise of Skywalker, and <clears throat> anyways, that uh, that lightsaber battle is really well shot. It's a, a, a really great set piece, which I think I think it really stands out for me because the other action, all the I really wasn't, I really, as I'm older, the fight between the Ewoks and the Imperial Army doesn't play off as well as it did. As a kid, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But now I'm just like, hmm, it's kind of rough. Also, you're you're kind of bringing a, a, you're bringing rocks to a blaster fight. Uh, I've always found it really funny that one of the first shots of the battle that we see from the Ewoks' perspective is them using bow and arrows. It's like, you know these guys are wearing armor, right? That's supposed to hold up against blasters? Yeah. And then they get a couple of rocks thrown at their dome, and it's super effective, apparently. Oh, totally. Speaking of the bow and arrows, do you remember that scene? That's when they've all been captured, and they're taken just outside that entrance, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden all the Ewoks show up and they start firing arrows indiscriminately, I might add. Yeah. They're bloodthirsty. How how many how many of the rebels got hit by those arrows? Yeah, you can't tell me these fucking marmot looking things have that good of aim. <laughs> the so the the action on Endor with the Ewoks and the Imperials, I, like again, as a kid I thought it was fantastic. And Lucas has said he made these movies for children, so you definitely won me over, but Watching it as an adult, it didn't hold up for me. The space battle was sadly lacking. It it's easily the worst space battle in the original trilogy because Star Wars is fantastic and Empire has some good ones as well. This one is atrociously bad. I, well, I shouldn't yeah. say atrociously bad. It just it just there was nothing there. I thought. Uh, there was a lot of focus in the space battle on variety, like a variety of ships, a bunch of different characters that we haven't seen before. There was a lot of stuff in it, but in my opinion, not a lot happens. Uh, because all of our heroes are in different places, uh, Luke and Leia and all the others are on Endor, and Luke is in the Death Star. Uh, I, As much as I love Lando, he's just not enough of a... All the guys, all the people I just listed are one A main characters. He's one B. He's the next tier of main character. Yep. He's not. We ha- he hasn't been with us since A New Hope. So our we as the audience are invested in Luke, Leia, and Han, and none of them are involved in the space battle. So that's kind of a problem. It's really difficult for the audience to become invested in this when there's very little at stake. It, it's still bright. It's still flashy. There's new ships. There's new characters, but there's not stakes. I think that's the main problem. I agree. The highlight of the space battle is, of course, it's a trap. It's a trap. And watching and watching Admiral Akbar float all over his room in his fucking chair. Your, uh, your top five favorite character in the original trilogy. Yeah, could, yeah, he, he could be number five. He could be number five. Okay. Possibly four. 
I think I would have to. I think it's between him and Jabba for four and five. Han, Yoda, Leia, Jabba, Akbar could go like that. I, not that I even disagree with really anything you've just said, but how sad is it that the main character of the of the trilogy, Luke Skywalker, doesn't doesn't get an honorable mention on that? <laughs> he, I, I wonder if he would make my top ten. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad the the trajectory of Luke Skywalker in these movies because he's a whiny little brat in the first one. Yeah, uh, in Empire, we talked about how he improves quite a lot. He, he improves goes a lot. through some shit and he he matures as a character. Uh, but they almost go too far with that maturity in this movie. He becomes almost a little bit bland. I he, agree. He, he's a little bit monotone and doesn't have that much interesting about him, in my opinion. They were told a lot that he's going to be conflicted, and the, empi- uh, the Emperor tries to raise up this conflict in him over saving his sister, but there's not really a lot that Luke has to do in this movie other than stand around in the Death Star and have the emperor ham up a bunch of sentences that end in the word complete uh, before, before the end of the movie. So I don't know. I feel like Luke is a little bit underutilized. I agree. Um, then I don't know. I guess we Vader turns good. Is that where we go from here? Yeah. Tur- turns good. I say in the heaviest air quotes of all time. I mean, he says he's, good now because he saved his son again this is a war criminal and uh, a guy who has murdered children himself uh and is partaking in blowing up planets but yeah you know he's he's good now so uh so luke attempts to save him the the one thing i noticed and this is the first time i actually kind of again it's probably because i'm older and i'm looking for things to notice but i Mm -hmm. found it funny that it's um you know, at this point, the Falcon and uh, I think Wedge is in there. They're about to blow up the place. Or maybe they've... No, they haven't already because as soon as they hit that power grid, it's like less than a second before things start falling apart. I can't remember. Who cares? But all these... <laughs> <laughs> Luke is dragging Darth Vader, the second in command of this entire empire, and there's all these empire guys running around them not doing a thing. <laughs> not ch- not checking on that, Vader, not saying for himself. who's this guy dragging our second in command. Is it, <laughs> it, it isn't that our one of our supreme leaders there? He doesn't look that good. Is he missing a hand? <laughs> Who is that? Is that known war criminal Luke Skywalker dragging him around? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he didn't make it into the intergalactic paper, uh, so maybe maybe they didn't have his picture. That's yeah, possible. I just found I just found it funny because there was I think there's one or two shots of of Luke dragging Vader through the Death Star while it's crumbling and no but and everyone's just running past them. I have to say I've watched episodes one through six this week, or in the last week and a half, let's say. Uh, I have seen a lot of limbs get cut off. I have seen a lot of hands get lopped off in combat. Mm-hmm. Do the writers know that there are other ways to kill people other than cutting off hands? There's this weird obsession with cutting off hands. Is it perhaps maybe without us knowing a lot of the writers are Muslim? Oh, right. Some symbology in that. Isn't it, is it the Muslim faith that cuts off hands for stealing? I think it's a lot. Of, I think I think you can find that in the Bible too. Mm, well, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But yeah, Anakin gets 
two hands cut off. Maybe it's the same hand, but he gets one in Sith and one in this one. We get Luke and Empire. Mace Windu gets his hand cut off. Just like, just like somebody cut someone in half. Thank you, Obi Wan. <laughs> Phantom Menace might be the only we see Qui Gon get stabbed and we see Darth Maul get cut in half, but we don't see anybody lose any limbs. I don't think. Well, technically, didn't Maul lose his two lower limbs by being cut in half? I I suppose, or maybe he lost his two upper limbs. <laughs> Where does the soul reside, you're saying? Yes, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> in his crotch or in his heart? <laughs> yes, the everlasting question of humanity. Now, is Darth Maul's dick painted as well? These are the questions we need to know, George Lucas. In the next special edition, we demand answers to these questions. <laughs> okay, so... We're going off the rails here. Yeah. So, Vader... Uh, Vader's dying, wants to see his kid with his own eyes, takes off the helmet, and we see this crusty, feeble old white man. Not James Earl Jones. Not James Earl Jones. Not Hayden right. Christensen. And <laughs> not... Could you imagine if they CG'd Hayden Christensen in there? <laughs> and sadly, sadly, it's not even David Prowse who plays Darth Vader. Man. I think the guy's name is Sebastian Shaw. That his name? I think so. I have no idea. Let's who see. who himself gets fucked over because he used to be the Force Ghost at the end of the movie, but now it's Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Sebastian Shaw is Anakin Skywalker. All right, so I was off. I was right there. Uh, yeah, so they get a little moment, which, in all honesty, this should be the emotional moment of the series, and it just does not resonate with me at all. It never has. It never has. It's never, it's never, like, if you think about the actual trilogy and the way it works, like, I I should be a crying mess at this. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm not because this wasn't mapped out properly from the beginning. And I think it's because in the original trilogy, Darth Vader's quote-unquote redemption only takes place in return. If we had had a little bit more of a taste of the conflict that might have resided in him from the beginning of the trilogy, or even from Empire, uh, we might have might have had a little bit more catharsis when he inevitably chooses the good and chooses to save his son. Uh, but just given the fact that it might also be a, a factor of Darth Vader not having any facial expressions, right? Like we're just told that he's conflicted a lot, and we can't really see that he's conflicted because he's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just get a bunch of lines of Luke saying, I feel the conflict in you. And that that's how we know that Vader's conflicted is because we're told. And we, we don't really have any evidence to that until he actually kills the Emperor. So it doesn't doesn't feel very earned. The last thing, uh, well, there's two, three other things. I got to go here. Uh, when Leia tells Han that Luke is her brother. Harrison Ford has these really great reaction shots that in my mind, in my mind canon, he's like, you fucking made out with your brother. <laughs> yeah. I I actually have a note on that scene too, just that it's super misleading the way Leia answers him. Han is obviously asking, obviously asking, you're romantically in love with him. Not like... Not like love him like a brother when he says 
you love him, don't you? Your boyfriend will not ask you that of another guy if if he's asking, do you like this guy like a brother? So when she just says, yes, like, of course I love him. Just the the lack of awareness from her, or if she's aware of it, the misleading nature of her answer, for some reason just pisses me off. Yep. And then she waits a really, like, when he says, you love him, don't you? You can go, yeah, he's my brother, obviously. Don't just go, yes, wait for him to spiral, then be like, oh, by the way, he's my brother. This scene and the scene where she originally finds out that they're siblings uh, both kind of pissed me off for that reason. Like, it it feels like it was just artificially constructed drama. I agree. Just to jump back to that other other scene real quick. Yeah. When uh, Leia's like, oh, I can't tell you what it is. First of all, sure you can. Yeah. And then second of all, it's just a reason for Han to go, oh, but you could tell Luke. That's who you could tell. So they're obviously trying to play up this jealousy storyline, but it just makes no sense why she can't tell him that they're siblings. It is, doesn't make any sense. This is this really accentuates how poor George Lucas is at writing dialogue and kind of human interaction because the chemistry between Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford in Empire was astounding. Astounding. And this one, there's zero. Zero. To be fair to to be fair to George Lucas, I believe they were also banging on the set of Empire. I believe that is that is historical fact. No. On they the weren't? set of Star Wars. Oh, it was on the original. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see. Ooh. I was like, well no one bad chemistry. Hmm. Almost positive it was Star Wars. I'll I'll take your word for it. Okay. They definitely like I I know that they did. Because she wrote about it in her memoir, but when they did, I actually don't know. Screw it. I'm searching it. All right. Look it up. <laughs> so I'll get to the other. Um, uh, I only, like I said, I only have two more points. Uh, Hayden Christensen, Force Ghost, which means me growing up, Sebastian Shaw was the Force Ghost in there as, uh, as Anakin. And now all of a sudden Hayden Christensen's in there. I get it. But why? This, this is my problem with it. If Darth Vader dies and his Force Ghost is Hayden Christensen, then why isn't it when Obi-Wan dies, his Force Ghost is not Ewan McGregor? Yeah, that's true. That, that, that's very inconsistent, actually. <laughs> I've never thought of that. <laughs> Probably because I just hate the notion that Hayden Christensen is the Force Ghost, and I roll my eyes at it every time. I, yeah. I audibly booed. Jordan can attest to this. I booed. When Hayden Christensen came on the scene on screen this time. <laughs> Do you have an answer on when Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford fucked? I uh, I yeah, filming of 1977 Star Wars: A New Hope at George Lucas's birthday party. There you go. Damn. Okay. Um, the other thing, uh, another minor thing is. <laughs> as we just continually nitpick and, and be little douchebags about the movie, I, I actually meant to bring this up when we were reviewing Star Wars. So the time frame difference between Revenge of the Sith and the beginning of Episode Four: New Hope is 19 years, right? Because Luke and Leia were born, and Luke supposedly sure. about 19. So in the 19 mm-hmm. years on Tatooine, Ewan McGregor turned into Alec Guinness. <laughs> that's some really rough sun rays on that on that planet yeah that's true well i mean there's two suns yeah i know <laughs> minor thing 
That, it, uh, it, yeah. that honestly doesn't bother me. I just always found that funny. Uh, and then the last... Oh, sorry. You were about to say something. Oh, no. I, I We're getting down to the nitty-gritty, but I, I only have two more notes written down. One is that cremating Vader seems kind of odd in in this big rebel celebration. I know he's kind of off on his own, but yep. Luke cremating Vader. You would think one rebel would have walked by him and like, isn't that that war criminal who killed all these people? Isn't that the dude we were fighting against? And somebody would walk by and scratch their head. That's one. Well, can and, I can I add on to that? Sure. At this point, Leia knows that that's her father. Why isn't she there? Oh, that's true. Damn, that's true. Okay, what's your next one? Okay, next one is just that there is a, uh, a brief shot of Ewoks. I mean, they're, they're having a celebration. They're singing. They're drumming. They are drumming on the helmets <laughs> of deceased stormtroopers. <laughs> Look, I know that stormtroopers are the bad guys. I get it. It's good versus evil. Drumming on the helmets of dead people seems like overkill. It seems like these Ewoks are some twisted fucks. That that seems like a lot, does it not? I agree. Are the heads still in there? That's what I'm wondering. I'm I was very much wondering that myself. They they seem to be ringing pretty hollow, so I like to think that the heads have been removed. But neither option is good. Now neither option. Yeah. Good. Now in the celebration scene, this song that's being played is not the song I grew up on. Yeah. Have you ever heard the Ewoks celebration song? I don't think so. It's infinitely better than whatever that piece of shit that was being played. I actually forgot that the Ewoks celebration song was not being played on this part anymore. Maybe I have heard it. I don't know. I what? Again, I grew up on the special editions, so I'm, I kind of get it mixed up what I have seen. It's totally fair, which leads me to the next part of the, of the additions to this series that I fucking hate is all these shots of the other planets celebrating as well. We get a shot of Coruscant yeah. and Naboo and I think two or three other planets all celebrating the, the fall of the Empire, and I fucking hate it. Yeah. Like, I know that it's an attempt to make it feel less morally ambiguous and just like, yeah, we did this great positive thing and everyone is happy because of it. Think of the shittiest political regimes in the history of planet Earth. There's a couple of a couple of areas where they even have support, right? Like, if you think of the worst dictatorships in the history of planet Earth, even they had overwhelming support at times. Mm -hmm. so, so you can believe, and I do believe, that the rebels did a good thing in overthrowing the Empire, but don't cut to all the different planets in the galaxy. Like, yay, everyone's happy. Like, if... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean. I didn't mean to cut you off. Wait, that's basically it. That was basically it. But if all these planets were so happy that the empire is now gone, if all these planets had joined forces, they would have been able to overthrow the empire to begin with. Yeah. What are you celebrating? Thanks for nothing. You didn't. You didn't participate in shit. Yeah. Oh, all right. So we I got some... a lot about this movie. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't say very many nice things. Uh, okay, let's let's finish on a nice thing. Uh, I love Jabba. Akbar uh, Akbar Akbar rules. Akbar rules. Um, I'm gonna say we didn't talk a lot about Han Solo in this movie, but he has some more good lines. He even has some good banter with Chewie. I think in this movie they have some they have some good banter between them. Uh, 
like uh, there was one that I wrote down where they're they're landing the Imperial ship or they're just taking off with the Imperial ship and Chewie gives some oh, yes. annoyed noise and Han says, yeah, well, I don't think they had Wookiees in mind when they designed her Chewie. <laughs> I've always liked some of their some of their dialogue. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Like, he, I for me, Han does like nothing in this movie. He really doesn't. Our our heroes on Endor feel sort of uh, inconsequential. Yeah. All right, I got some trivia. I I actually right. I actually uh, kept it to a, a bit of a minimum, but uh, okay here. Uh, following the success of Boba Fett appearing in comics and being a popular supporting character, George Lucas admitted that he had no idea that the character had become so popular. He mentioned that if he had known, he would have given the bounty hunter a more memorable death scene. Lucas even considered adding a shot of Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc for the 2004 DVD release. Ultimately, he decided against it as he did not want viewers to be distracted from the intended storyline. So what happened with all the other changes you made, George? I know. Ridiculous. And how could he not know how popular Boba Fett was? That makes no sense to me. The man has no clue about his own fandom. Doesn't he own the merchandising rights for the entire franchise? Yes. Like, How do you not know that Boba Fett is probably, at the time, I would imagine, one of the best-selling toys and has endless demand for products? I yes. do not know that if you have the merchandising right exclusively to yourself. I agree. He like a lot of things he does and says make no sense to me. George Lucas, you are a frustrating person. Ugh. All right. During the shot in which Salacious Crumb, the small, annoying rat like thing that sits with Jabba in his palace, yes. is chewing off C three PO's eye, Anthony Daniels, who plays C three PO, had a panic attack while in the C three PO suit. While filming, he didn't actually say his lines. All of his lines were dubbed in post-production, but repeated, get me up, get me up, over and over. This is the take that is used in the final cut. <laughs> that is very dark. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned before, the word Ewok is never spoken in the movie, nor are the individuals, Wicket, Paplu, and etc., referred to by name. Yeah, I, I knew that the Ewoks weren't named. I knew that they had names, but I knew that they weren't. did not realize that Ewok was not spoken. That's yeah. interesting. I know. And this actually, I, I didn't know about this, Maybe and maybe you did being a music nerd, but John mm. Williams' son, Joseph Williams, the lead singer of the pop rock band Toto, yeah, yeah. I am making a shocked expression at Manny right now. I know. You have blown my mind. Same here. Uh, that he, is ridiculous. He collaborated on part of the score and wrote lyrics for the Ewoks songs. That is the craziest thing I've heard all day. Yeah, I know. John Williams is the father of the lead singer of Toto? Apparently, according to my research, yes. That is remarkable. I know. I'm so happy. That's crazy. Okay. Um, originally, Princess Leia was not Luke's twin sister. Luke's twin sister would be called Nelith Skywalker, and that she had been taken to the other side of the galaxy to be trained as a Jedi. George Lucas had originally planned the sequels to follow Luke's search for Nelith. And the last thing I have, uh, according to the documentary Empire of Dreams, Steven Spielberg, who is a lifelong best friend with George Lucas, was Lucas's first choice to direct. And even though Spielberg would have loved to direct a Star Wars movie, he was forced to decline because he is a member of the Directors Guild. 
Remembering, Lucas dropped his guild membership over disagreements about Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. As a result, Lucas hired the relatively unknown, and at the time non-union, Welsh director Richard Marquand. Lucas was also impressed by Marquand's ability to bring in a movie on time and on budget, a very real concern of Lucas after the budget overruns experience on Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. Wonder what this movie would have been like with Spielberg behind the helm. It would have been infinitely better, I, I imagine. I know. I I want to live in a world where Steven Spielberg has directed a Star Wars film. Me too, and I want to live in a world where Steven Spielberg gets to direct a James Bond film. That's that's his dream. Did you know that? Why hasn't he then? Because the Broccoli family, who own the rights to uh, James Bond, only let UK directors direct James Bond films. I do not like that. I know. That's, that is ridiculous. If there's one person you make the exception for. It's the greatest filmmaker of all time. Yes. Right? Whatever. Okay. Uh, favorite quote, Sam? Uh, oh, shit. I always manage to forget this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to... Actually, I did write this down. Uh, something that we didn't talk about in Yoda's brief appearance. Uh, he has this funny little line. With, oh. uh, At 900 years old, uh, uh, look so good, you will not. It's, that's got to be it. Uh, for me, it's easy. It's a trap! It's a trap. Uh, your favorite scene? Favorite scene has to be um, oh, tough. I my instinct is to go with um, the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth Vader. Feels like an easy pick. Yep. Um, with maybe maybe a second place to uh, the introduction of Jabba. Um, specifically, I guess the uh, Leia and Han rescue or failed rescue and the reveal of Jabba behind the curtain. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, my two picks are similar as well. Uh, Darth versus Luke lightsaber battle is just iconic. And, uh, the Sarlacc pit scene is for me. So if I'm forced to pick, I probably will go with the Sarlacc pit because I get to see Leah in the bikini. I get to see Luke do some backflips, which is cool. I get to see, uh, Han be a little funny and I get to see Jabba's, ah, ah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the yeah. Sarlacc pit. Sure, but with the original non-CG pit. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, Closing credits, uh, for those of you, obviously, besides Sam that don't know, I I lost all my notes because of a computer malfunction, so I had to come up with some new questions, so hopefully these, uh, I think these are a little little different and uh, a a smidge better than the other ones, but some of them are repeating. So anyways, we're going to start with the first one. It's different this time. Uh, Sam, who or what is the weak point of the movie? George Lucas. I said he was the VIP. I said he was the MVP of, uh, of a new hope. Uh, he really starts to show some of his weaknesses here, not just because of all the inserts he makes with the special editions, but his, his dialogue is not fantastic at times and his direction is not great at other times. I think even though this movie is still good and I will still rewatch it and it still has value, uh, this is a sign of things to come for George Lucas. This movie is. Oh, well put. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to agree. It's uh, okay. George Lucas. Uh, he's definitely the weak point. His, 
and I know that he co-wrote it with Lawrence Kasdan, who is actually a really good screenwriter, but the, the dialogue in this movie is really hard to take, and uh, I'm going to attribute it maybe unfairly because I have nothing to prove it, but I'm going to attribute most of it to George Lucas. Well, I mean, you have three movies of poorly written dialogue in the prequels to prove it. Mm, fair. Thank you. Thanks for backing <laughs> me up. Thanks for backing me up, brother. Always. Uh, was this anybody's peak? Is this anybody's no. career highlight? No. Maybe the dude who played Vader. <laughs> uh, Not, uh, Sebastian Shaw? Yeah, Sebastian Shaw. Maybe, maybe it was his peak. I don't know if he did anything after this. Let's take a quick peek and find out. I would probably agree. Sebastian Shaw. Let's see. Of course, I'm on my laptop, which goes super slow. There we go. All right. 96 credits. Uh, oh. Oh, never mind. I thought for a moment that he was in Chernobyl. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but it's in it's in Chernobyl, The Final Warning, a TV movie in 1991. I still haven't seen Chernobyl. That is an, a travesty. Okay, I, I've heard that I should watch it. Okay, so he was in a shit ton of TV. This might have been... Oh, no, I was going to say this might have been his last movie, but he's got one other movie afterwards. He was in a lot of... I've not heard of anything else. I'm looking at all this, and I've not heard of anything else that he was in. Okay, so in our opinion, this is Sebastian Shaw's peak performance. You're in Star Wars. It's definitely... you, You have... I mean, it's only one line, isn't it? It's go, go, my son, mm-hmm. and something like something like that, and then briefly a uh, a cameo as a ghost that has been edited out. Yeah, all right. And that's your career peak. So yeah, nobody nobody's real. Co- uh, should anyone or any aspect of this film have gotten an Oscar nomination? Nope. Not besides besides the ones they already got, right? Yeah, well, I imagine they probably got like VFX noms. Yeah, well, the v- they got a sp- there. There was no visual effects Oscar at that time, so they got a special. They got a special achievement Oscar for visual effects, and then okay. art set decoration. Obviously, both the two sounds, and not cinematography. What was the other one? I said score. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, John Williams, obviously. Yeah, John Williams lost out to, uh, I think, Bill Conti for the right stuff that year. So did he not win an Oscar for any of these movies? No, he won an Oscar for the first one. Okay. And then two more nominations. But no, but no. I was he, ready to riot. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Um, what will this film's legacy be? I mean, we're already 37 years removed from its release, so I think we can safely say its legacy is one of decline, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does represent a relatively satisfying conclusion to the original trilogy i think even the most diehard star wars fans would tell you it's the weakest um yeah i would say its legacy was uh let's call it optimistically the last good star wars movie for 20 years for 30 years yeah yeah I, I mean, I, depending on your opinion on Sith, I, I think I think Revenge of the Sith is actually an okay movie uh, with some problems, but uh, but yeah, arguably this is the last good Star Wars movie. If you really hate the prequels, the last good Star Wars movie until The Force Awakens. Yeah, I'm gonna have to revisit the prequels. I haven't watched them in quite a while. I think Revenge of the Sith has some stuff to offer, but I understand that people dislike. I even 
I even like uh, attack. I even like aspects of the Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. They're just not good. <laughs> what did I like about Attack of the Clones? I don't know. I'll get there eventually. All right. Uh, yeah. I liked that. I liked it as a kid. <laughs> that's that's basically what I liked. Is that I have fond memories of it. I think there's going to be three things that this film will be remembered for in no particular order. One, Slave Leia. Two, Ewoks. Three, Jabba. That's my opinion. I think uh, you're right about all of that. It's remembered for Ewoks for negative reasons, though. I I, I didn't say the legacy was a good thing. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, I had no problem with the inclusion of Ewoks. I understand why people disliked them. Because Empire was so dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. And then Return has these fuzzy little furballs mm-hmm. with big eyes. So I get it. I understand. But if, like you said, if you remember that these are kids' movies, which people don't tend to. <laughs> people tend to take them a little seriously, as we yep. have been. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I have no problem with the Ewoks, even though, yes, that is a very large part of their legacy currently. Yeah, I've never had a problem with the Ewoks. Who or what was the MVP of this movie? I think I already said John Williams for one of them. Mm-hmm. But for Empire. John Williams, sure. if, if you want to... If I've already said John Williams, which I think I have, if I haven't, he's the MVP of all of these movies. Um, but I would probably, I guess you could go Jabba. Jabba's probably the MVP of the movie, even though he's only in the first act. Yep. He's I, certainly the most menacing villain. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I think Jabba's the most interesting thing about this movie. I could go with Jabba. I'm going to give my award to Akbar, though. <laughs> The MVP, yeah, for announcing the trap. Yeah, it's a trap. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Jabba. It's 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 the construction of that massive puppet. It's the reveal because at the time when it came out, it was the reveal of that character. Because again, that scene hadn't been in Episode Four. I think Jabba still holds up to this day. I think Jabba's. I think Jabba's the MVP of the movie. He's he when when I think of this movie, in all honesty. As much as I really would like to say it's Slave Lay, it's not. It's Jabba. Jabba is what I think about the most when I think of this movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm Jabba's my MVP of this movie. Unless it's late at night, then it's Slave Lay. Then it's definitely Slave Lay. <laughs> like as soon as we sign off, it's going to be Slave Lay. Gross. Uh, would you watch this movie again? Absolutely. I will, but it won't be for a while. I have no desire to rewatch it. Yeah. Like I've watched. I need a little bit of a Star Wars break. I was thinking about maybe watching the sequel trilogy this week and just doing all nine of the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. I think I need a little Star Wars break now. I, you know what? I totally get it. The Actually, for me, the, uh, the movie I actually really want to watch is Rogue One. You know what? I really want to revisit Rogue One because everyone that I talk to keeps telling me that it's better than I say it is. And I don't even say it's that bad. It's just not that good. Fair enough. But I'm kind of curious about revisiting Rogue One. Would you recommend this movie to others? If they were a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Same. It's sort, it's sort of a strange thing. Like Anybody who would like Return of the Jedi probably has already seen Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. 
this movie is almost exclusively enjoyable for Star Wars fans. I wonder if anybody that hasn't seen Star Wars watched this if they would enjoy Like, could you enjoy it not knowing I, anything? I don't think so. Not nearly on the level of others. Huh. Interesting. All right. Sam, your rating. I think it's a pretty solid three. We shat on this movie a lot, but it's not even close to bad enough to being in two territory. No, no. Um, and it, it's it's not good enough to be as good as A New Hope, which got a four. Uh, it is a good movie with some serious problems. Um, it's a lot of fun. It represents the conclusion to what was going to be the only Star Wars movies ever made. We've since had, what is that, eight more made? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, w- I would certainly recommend it. And it's three. I'd recommend this to people that have seen Star Wars. But again, just like you said, if they've seen Star Wars, they've seen this. So, yeah. All right. Sam, what's going on next week? Oh, mine's a three. I I said mine's a three. I didn't even give up my score. Mine's a three. (laughs) Oh, shit, yeah. I I knew we were missing something. (laughs) People just tune in for me. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Next week, I'm curious to see how this is going to go. We have a movie that Manny's never seen. I like to recommend these to him whenever I can because the opportunities are so rare and few (laughs) and far between. It is a foreign film probably the first one that we've uh, talked about on this podcast second huh? second next oh there was the um infernal affairs third what else life is beautiful oh um yeah life is beautiful that's true okay so we this will be the third foreign film we've talked about it is the lives of others uh, really uh, really dark drama from germany that uh i don't think anybody listening to this has seen so uh <laughs> we will see if uh, anybody listens to us, because nobody knows this movie, and I recommended it, <laughs> and I am having no uh, no regrets about it. I can, you, can <laughs> you sound so <laughs> utterly confident. No, for real, it's a, it's a really good movie. Uh, it it did win best, best foreign, foreign film, didn't it? Yeah, best foreign film at the Oscars. It's frequently ranked among the best European uh, foreign language films ever made. Um, right up there with Life is Beautiful, which we've talked about. It's a, it's a really moving, really gripping movie. I am excited to talk about it. I just don't think anybody's going to listen to us talk about it. But that's okay. <laughs> we do this for us. We do this for us. We really do. We're not too worried about listenership. We don't even really exactly. promote this this podcast really anywhere near as much as we should. But that's yeah. fine. We do do it for this. I'm excited. It's been it's been a very long time since we've done a movie, a, a podcast about a movie I haven't seen. So I'm excited. Uh, so that wraps it up this week for uh, for Sam and I. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. For the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. It's a trap. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.